0: Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? LL Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, LL Bean be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com/slash/explore. <laughs> Back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Michigan State beats Maryland 77-67 on senior day at the Breslin. And, <laughs> Rod, this one started out just Michigan State just blitzkrieged them um, 18-1 to out of the gate and um, wound up going into halftime up 20 points. Uh, and then Maryland comes out, goes on a run of their own, and then eventually claws all the way back to within three. Um, with about six and a half minutes left before Michigan State uh, kind of extended the lead back out to, and then finished it, finishing them off at ten. Um, this was uh, pretty encouraging um, compared to what we've been seeing, anyway. <laughs> what what was your take on this on this game here? Well,
1: it was a it was a game of runs. And Michigan State had the better and bigger runs. You mentioned eighteen to one led by a lot essentially for the entirety of the first half they never trailed in this game mm. so it was in some ways it was the flip side of what they just went through against Michigan and Ohio State where uh, particularly the Ohio State game where Ohio State got out to a 13 nothing lead and and never trailed and I, I, I don't know that Michigan State ever I think they got back to within two at one point in that game in the first half and then after that I don't know that it was ever in in single digits. Um, this was similar for a long time. And then you mentioned, you know, Maryland, <laughs> their runs happened fast. They came out of the locker yeah. room down 20, and they had it down to 10 in two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Less than that, actually. It was more like 2.15 of gameplay. It was a combination of giving up a couple threes, some bad offensive possessions, They get a couple other two-point buckets, and all of a sudden the lead's cut in half in no time at all. And then Michigan State pushed it back out, pushed it back out to 20, and then gave up another run that kind of sustained itself a little better. As you said, they got it all the way to three. Mm -hmm. And then Gabe Brown, in what we presume is probably his last home game, scored seven points in a row, the first two of which were the biggest because it was a floater late in the shot clock that kind of rattled around and dropped, and it took the lead from three to five. If that hadn't have fallen, the way Maryland had momentum built up, who knows what would have happened. Hmm. So he hit that, he then hit a three, and then he hit a couple free throws on an intentional foul. Uh, and Michigan State at that point, never looked back. That, that really ended the game. Maryland, I think, might have gotten it down to seven, maybe is as close as they got from then on. Eight, seven or eight. And Michigan State was able to keep them at bay. Um, it was It's hard to say because I, I don't think Michigan State played a really good game. Uh, I think a lot of the troubles early that it was somewhat similar to the Ohio state game in that Maryland did a very poor job defensively early in that game. Michigan state got a lot of open looks and they hit them.
2: Hmm.
1: And then on the other, on the other side, I thought Michigan state was better than they've been lately defensively. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't think they were suffocating. I think Maryland was missing some shots. Mm Hmm. It was really a combination of those two things. I don't think that was, you know, there have been times earlier this year and, and certainly in years past where you could say, hey, Michigan State just just took their offense away from them, you know. Yeah. I didn't feel like that was what was going on here. Um, but, look, all's well that ends well. To me, the single biggest thing that Michigan State did to ensure its success is something that we talked about in the keys. They did a really good job of not allowing Maryland to have a parade to the free throw line. Yeah. Only 12
0: attempts for them. Right.
1: And, and, you know, I said it in the, in the pregame, if you don't let Maryland go to the free throw line a lot, they have a hard time scoring enough to win. And that's exactly what happened. They came up short in large part because, they couldn't get to the line enough. And then, you know, even a red-hot second half from three wasn't enough to get them over the hump. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that I mean,
0: uh, if you get into the, the, the players here, Tyson Walker, 13 points, five rebounds, um, or I'm sorry, five assists to zero turnovers, five for 14 from the floor, one for five from three.
1: Yeah, you know, You said five for 13 from from the floor? Five for 14. Five for 14. Uh, I'm totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. That looks like – I had said that his stat lines in the last couple games, especially Michigan but also Ohio State, on the surface looked respectable, but particularly the Michigan game, it was a poor game. Mm -hmm. This one, some of the efficiency numbers don't look as good. He was much better. Mm Mm-hmm. They need him to be aggressive, and he was aggressive. He was aggressive in ways they needed him to be. Um, even the you know the shots that he missed, he missed a bunch of. It's probably his worst shooting three point game of the season. Yeah, one for five. Um, yeah, I don't care. Those mm-hmm. were great looks, and he needs to take them. So it's as simple as that. So I, I liked the way he played. You know, these last three games. Because Hogard has been dealing with the effects of illness. He's been able to play, but not as much, particularly in the second halves, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've kind of shut him down a little bit. And so Tyson played heavier minutes than we normally see. Uh, So it was important for him to have this kind of game, to play well, keep things on track. And he did that enough Mm -hmm. to, uh, to get them over the hump. So I was pretty happy with the game he played.
0: Yep. Uh, and then Gabe Brown, 32 minutes, 10 points, two rebounds, two assists, three for seven from the floor, uh, hit one of three threes, three for three from the line, two steals, no turnovers.
1: Yeah, but as I say, Gabe Brown's day to me was defined in that stretch mm-hmm. when that's what you want a senior to do. You know, he, he made the – he had seven points in a row to take it from three to ten, and then from there – they got a little bit from Malik Hall on a couple buckets. You know, they were able to, then some free throws. They were able to do enough to keep, to keep uh, Maryland at bay. Uh, but it was that sequence mm-hmm. where Gabe scored seven in a row. That's what you want your senior to do. And he did it. So yeah. to me, that made for a successful day for him.
0: Uh, and then Christie, uh, 29 minutes, six points, five rebounds, two assists, two for four from the floor, um, four turnovers though.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't like I didn't like Max Christie's game today mm. at all. And he said 29 minutes. To me, I understand it in terms of talent, you know, potential, all those things. He's he's a standout, but to me, this was a day where I would have pref- I would probably preferred to see even more Jaden Akins than we saw and Ma- less Max Christie. I didn't think he was locked in very well. He was he played a good first half defensively. In the second, I think his lack of focus really helped Eric Ayala get going. Mm-hmm. The first three that Ayala hit was on a play where, and they rotated the ball well, I'll give them that, but Max was helping inside and out of position in a way I can't believe was, is the intent. Mm-hmm. He was way off. I mean, you just can't do that. They swung the ball around. It got over tile in the corner. He hit it, and that got him on track. And he had a huge second half. And that's you know that's that guy's story. That's who he is as a player. He's a guy who can get hot and go on a streak and very, very quickly light you up. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing against a guy like that, that's why the focus needs to be 100%. Not 80, not 90, not less than that, certainly. Mm-hmm. It needs to be 100%. And I thought Max's focus... In that second half was really wanting. He, you bet you the turnovers, he had some bad turnovers, just bad decisions. Um, I just did not think he was there in the second half. And I, I found myself saying he needs to sit Mm -hmm. and they didn't, they did, but they didn't sit him as much as I would. have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Hauser
0: 26 minutes, um, three points, five rebounds, five assists, one for five from the floor, one for two, for three. Uh, two turnovers
1: happy with his game though mm-hmm. i i thought that go ahead i thought he made i thought he made some big plays i thought that play where he managed to keep himself inbound on that ball that got tipped into the backcourt in the second half was big yeah um i i thought he had some big defensive rebounds uh, i just like you know the the shooting numbers were not great today but didn't mm-hmm. matter i liked i liked the way he played
0: I liked some of the moves that I saw on the low post. Um kind yeah, of felt even like he some didn't moves. finish. Yeah, even though he didn't finish it, it looked like moves that he was more comfortable with. Um Yeah. But anyway, that brings us to the uh fifth starter Bingham. Um 12 points, 11 rebounds, 4 for 8, 3 for 4
1: from 3, uh a block, two steals. Yeah. He was, you know, unfortunately for him, in the second half and Maryland I've noticed does this where they'll they'll get into stretches where Wahib doesn't play very much. And so they kind of go back to reverting to what they did a lot last year, where you'll see Don um,
0: Dante, Dante you, Scott. You'll
1: see Dante Scott as a small ball five. So that's if you notice down the stretch, Michigan State was matching that with the Hauser Hall combination. You didn't see Markey. It wasn't because Markey didn't play well. I thought that is the best game Marcus Bainham has played in a while. Yeah, and months, I will, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah, it could be. It could be going back to, like, December. It's possible. Um, and I say that not because of the threes, but the threes helped. This is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he'd never had a game where he hit hit uh, – I don't think he – I'm not sure if he'd had a game. He must have like had a game four. where he hit a couple of them, but he's never had a game where he hit three. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a milestone. Of course, the third one was banked in from straight on. You you don't know how much credit to give him, but (laughs) but he hit it. But I think that start, he was, he scored early and I think that start got him on track and gave him the kind of energy and spark to do the job as a rebounder, to Mm -hmm. do the job as a defensive player. You saw plays he was making even in the second half when he wasn't scoring. He had a he had a sequence where he, that the last bit of was that that play where uh he drew a foul at half court just by going harder after a 50-50 ball. That's mm-hmm. the stuff that's been missing. Yeah. Yeah. From this team. And today Michigan State there were flaws certainly in what they did. You don't let a 20-point league get whirled down to 3 and not have flaws. But I thought that they were much better than they've been in terms of those kind of moments, mm-hmm. finding ways to compete. Yeah. And, and just outworking, wanting it a little bit more Marcus, Nobody did that better than Marcus Bain today. Mm-hmm. So hats off to a great way to close out. If this is his last home game, great, great memory for him to have. Yeah. Uh,
0: and also interesting. They went back to the original starting lineup um, that we'd seen most throughout most of the year.
1: Well, I think one element of that was wanting to give the three seniors, the guys who could be in their last game, uh, give them a start. That was one part of it. But the other, I don't think that was all of it. Because I think the other end of it is, you know, they switched this lineup, got a great result against Purdue, and then same lineup, you know, same starting lineup, just flat out falls on its face in the two road games this week. Mm -hmm. So what justification was there to roll that lineup out there again? Yeah. You know, you, you need to shake it up. And they got, you know, they got they got a result. Mm. So it worked. Message sent and received, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, look, I, I don't know about received because this team has given us no reason to believe that there is something that is now sustainable to come out of this – I hope that that's what happens, but that's all you can have. There's no evidence of it, so mm-hmm. I don't know how much was received or how much of it was just it was their day, and they for whatever reason they managed to find that level of energy and effort, probably because it was senior day, it was the last home game, mm-hmm. uh, chance for Izzo to break Knight's record, um, and uh, and all those things kind of combined, and they played well enough to win.
0: Yeah, uh, Malik Hall, 22 minutes, 17 points in 22 minutes. Three rebounds, one assist, seven for 11 from the floor, uh, a
1: steal. Hit a three. Maybe, maybe his best game in weeks. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since he's played. You know, he had that stretch where it seemed like he was starting to find it, another gear, and then it went away. And yeah. And he had not – he'd been very, very inconsistent, and even the high points – were not as high as this was. He was, I mentioned the, the keys to putting this one away. It was Brown's burst to take it from three to ten, and then from there, Malik Hall was the guy that kept it there
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they kept going to him. He had that, you know. I, <laughs> there was a discussion on the Spartan Mag board this week, earlier this week, where somebody I can't remember who it was said that Malik Hall was no better than a sixth or seventh man on a on a decent Big Ten team. But that's what he is, talent wise. I said you, you cannot be more wrong. When we Call has <laughs> issues, he has he has things he needs to improve. Talent in one of them. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Sorry. And and plays like that spin move for an and one late in the game. Yeah. That took it up to thirteen. That's what I'm talking about. That move, if you don't know, if you haven't figured it out, that's an NBA player's move. Mm -hmm. Now, he has not proven he's an NBA player yet because he hasn't proven consistency in doing those kinds of things. But that move is a move that a pro makes. Yeah. And that is what he has. He has that kind of talent, that kind of game. He has the physical tools, the skill set, all of it. The other, he needs to find ways to sustain it, but today was a very good day for Malik Hall.
0: The other really nice one that looked like an NBA move was like he sliced through. They threw a zone out there at one point, like a, it looked mm-hmm. like a three-two yep. zone, and he like sliced right through it, caught it while he's moving to his left, fading away, and just hits it one motion. that yep. <laughs> was like yep. whoa. found the
1: gap, found the gap, and hit the hit a short jumper. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> no, look, the, there's and, and the guy is essentially a fifty percent three point shooter. Um, he's a versatile defensive player. He's strong. I mean, they, they, there's, there are reasons I think to compare him in some ways to Aaron Henry, except he's tall, a little taller than Aaron was, and he's a better shooter than Aaron was. Mm -hmm. But if Aaron, you know, Aaron Henry's played some NBA games this year. Yeah. So if it can happen for him, it can absolutely happen for Malik Hall. I think Malik Hall is a better prospect. Mm -hmm. Truthfully. But again, he has to find consistency.
0: Uh, and then Jay Nickens, eighteen minutes, two points, four rebounds, four assists. Uh, tough night shooting, over two, over for two for three.
1: Um, but Doesn't two matter. steals. Doesn't matter. Played great. Mm-hmm. Played great. Does not matter. I don't care about the shooting. That—that's what I'm talking about. That guy deserved his role more than the—he deserved more minutes than he got. Given the way Max Christie was playing mm-hmm. in the second half, because Jaden Akins, every minute he was out there for Michigan State was making things happen. Mm-hmm. You know his his defensive plays, both of his steals led to positive things at the other end. You know mm-hmm. um, the one the second one was a, the breakaway foul that that Brown hit the free throws to take it back out to a ten point lead. It was the the capper on that personal seven oh run that really. Put the nail in Maryland's coffin, essentially. Mm. And I believe the other one he had was ended up in a bucket. It uh, ended up, I think, in free throws. He did hit. Jaden hit two free. Two, throws, yeah, two right? for two. Yeah, yeah. That was on the other steal he had. So he, when he was active defensively, it turned into good stuff for Michigan State. He rebounded. He had, I think, he said he had four assists. Yep. Just, I, I thought his energy was great, as it usually is. Well, he was good defensively. He was better defensively than Max was today, that's for sure. And I just liked, yeah, I just liked what he brought to the table.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then AJ, 11 minutes, four re- four points, three rebounds, two assists, um, two for two from the floor, only one turnover, a couple assists. Yeah, you
1: know, he was, he was decent in that first half. I don't know whether he played in the second. If he did, it was very briefly. It's obviously something with whatever he's going through, they've – because it's been the case all three games, they figured that they can play him more or less normal minutes in the first half. And then he's kind of done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Cause if he did play in the second half, it was briefly, Yeah, but I thought he was okay. You know, he was, he was in there when they were playing a little better defensively, offensively, he did his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they were okay when he was out there. So um, Yeah. You know, decent decent game from him. But they obviously, as we said earlier, need because of wherever his health is at, they need a lot more from Tyson today. Yeah. You know, A.J.'s only able to help in a kind of a bit part way at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Marble,
0: 10 minutes, 8 points, 2 rebounds, uh, 2 for 3 from the floor, hit 4 or
1: 6 free throws, uh, had a nice block. Uh, yeah. Great first half. Mm-hmm. Really good first half. And then we didn't see a lot of him in the second. You know they they went with small ball, Ma, uh, Hauser and Hall down the stretch, and no complaints there. It was the right move. I don't know if there was maybe something defensively that Izzo didn't like in in the second half that kind of kept his minutes restricted. But in the first half, Julius Marble was effective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he you know? yeah, the sixteen—he's really got some some offensive
0: talent. I mean, man, that sixteen-foot hook shot, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just something you do not see. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. He said, "Look, and, and that's been obvious for as long as he's been in East Lansing." Yeah, it has. Julius Julius Marble can score. Uh, the question is, do you get enough from him in other ways to enable that scoring to impact games? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's going to be the interesting thing, assuming that he's, you know, part of the part of the team next year. And I have no, I have no reason to suspect that he won't be at this stage but you know 2022 you never know so um assuming that he is back for a fourth year that's going to be the question for julius marble Mm -hmm. does he make enough strides defensively and as a rebounder to enable him to play a more significant role um and at times this year in a stretch of probably four or five games in a row up I would say maybe until the Michigan game he had, he had shown that he might be making a little bit of a move. He'd had a Mm -hmm. run of probably the best rebounding games he's had in his career had played better defensively. I'm not going to say good, but he played better uh, and was scoring of course, because that's what he can always do. So it's a big off season coming up for him Mm -hmm. to see if he can make another jump in those other areas And if he can, you know, Julius Marble could be a a 25-minute-a-night guy if he defended and rebounded well enough to earn that kind of playing time. Mm -hmm. I could easily see, you know, 12 points a game, 14 points a game. That could happen. Mm -hmm. He has the tools for that, no question. Uh, And then Pierre Brooks got in there for a little bit.
0: Um, Didn't really impact much on the score sheet. Missed
1: a free throw. Yeah. That was it. Um, first half appearance and then we we didn't see him in the second. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh and then Sissoko he had, had the was in there for a minute and had a dunk.
1: Had a dunk, uh, yep.
0: I'll take yep. one dunk a
1: game from Sissoko. Sure. Just a brief just a brief cameo. They didn't really need him. It was not a game for him because again, Maryland, especially as they were trying to climb back, realized that their best approach was to go smaller. And mm-hmm. that's what they did. So it wasn't a game where you really needed Motti. It was, uh, and frankly, it became a game where you didn't even need, you know, you didn't need Bainham and you didn't need Marble even. It was, it was Hauser down the stretch. Yeah. Playing the five. So.
0: Uh, so the keys uh Rod, senior day was, was the first key and that's energy, effort, um, intensity,
1: you know, yeah. whatever,
0: you, whatever name you put on it. Uh, how, how do you feel like that went? It went
1: well. Mm. It went well. Uh, the team as a whole, but it it went well with those guys. You know, uh, as we said, Marcus Bainum probably his best game in weeks and weeks, maybe months. Uh, Gabe Brown, maybe not his best game, definitely not his best game. But when the chips were down and it looked like this thing was slipping away, he stepped up that seven point personal run and kind of iced it yeah and that was huge and then joey hauser not spectacular numbers but i i liked the way he played in this game Mm -hmm. i thought he had a good overall four game
0: yeah
1: and then tempo
0: was the second key
1: i thought especially in that first half i thought michigan state did a pretty good job now i don't know what the do you have the fast break numbers up uh, I don't have it on in this. what you're looking at. All right, no. So let me take a quick look and see if I can. If I'm, I'm curious, curious, maybe Michigan uh, State's website's up yet. To see. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm guessing that it is. Um, but I I think that Michigan State again, particularly in that first half, was was very aggressive in pushing and while I don't think you can say that they wore Maryland down because you know Maryland had enough gas in the tank to make uh, a pretty dramatic recovery right mm-hmm. <laughs> in the second yeah. half but but in terms of production for Michigan State, it was uh, it was important to see them be able to to put up the kind of point production that they had. And you know that that matters. And they were pushing hard, maybe harder than I've seen it in a while off
0: of made baskets. Yep. Um, yeah,
1: this was. That's a good point. This was not a game that, uh, like the Purdue game, where they they got transition buckets. Generated of from and stuff. turnovers, yeah. right? They had a little bit of that, but not not in a sustained way. So, let's see. So Michigan State. Outboard Maryland nineteen to fifteen in fast break points because Maryland did actually get some transition stuff generated off turnovers, you know, um, especially in the second half. Of course, uh, Fats Russell really made his presence felt, you know, as a as a guy who can with quick hands who can generate steals, sort of their version of Tyson Walker. Uh, but I, you know, a four point edge is not a massive one in Michigan State's column, but it is an edge but I think the bigger thing there is just the, the total points they scored 19 points in transition. And I think as opposed to maybe some other times that number pretty accurately reflected what I, what the game felt like to me in terms of how MSU was able to get into transition. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then rebounding,
0: um,
1: well, let's see. So we have Michigan state with, um, Eleven offensive rebounds by thirty, 30 misses. misses. Not a spectacular, but you know, thirty-seven percent offensive rebounding rate is pretty damn good. So a nice job at on the offensive glass. Now remember, we said Maryland um, it was a poor, yeah, team. Maryland. So thirty-seven nine divided by thirty-seven. And Maryland only had a 24.3% offensive rebounding rate itself. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty good performance. I I think you'd give Michigan state a a check mark there. And it was one that we said they, you know, not that this has been any guarantee the way this season has gone, but boy, if you're going to control the boards or at least have an edge, this is a game to do it because this team isn't great at either end. Mm Uh.
0: Yeah, and three points uh, percentage was our next key. Michigan State seven for eighteen for thirty nine percent, which is a little lower than they had, had been at. Um, but Maryland eight for twenty nine for twenty eight percent.
1: Yeah, and and that that took, I believe, a seven for twelve second half to get there. Yeah, they, they were, were one like, for one seven. To, yeah. May I'm sorry, maybe they were. Yeah. Were they one for 17 in the first half? I think they were. Uh, Yeah. one for 15. One for 15. So one for 15 in the first half or less than 7%. They were seven for 14 in the second. So they made it look respectable at almost 28%. Um, Michigan State, meanwhile, pretty consistent. They were 37.5% in the first half, 40% in the second, seven for 18, pretty much on their seasonal average, Mm 38.9%. So – in terms of total makes, Maryland had one more make from three than Michigan State did, but it took them a bunch more shots. I, I had said if either team had a decisive edge, that would be a big deal, and that Michigan State seemed by far the more likely team to do that. Well, it, it it did work out that way in terms of percentage. When you know, Michigan State essentially was eleven percent better, ten percent better shooting the three than maryland was that's a significant gap but because maryland took so many more the the volume was about even Mm -hmm. um so i wouldn't say either team had a huge edge michigan state much more efficient with it and anytime the opponent is going to take that many more attempts than you put up to be even essentially they're down one in terms of total makes that's a win yeah that was a win for Michigan State. Not a surprise either, because that's what the numbers the seasonal numbers suggest would happen mm-hmm. and again, it was only that close because Eric Ayala in particular just got red hot in the second half.
0: yeah yeah uh, and then defend without following was the last key in Maryland, although they shot ninety two percent from the line, only twelve attempts uh eleven to yeah. twelve personal fouls or relatively even sixteen to fifteen.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So that number, and what, did uh, Michigan, Michigan State have 15? Yeah. Yeah, so 15 fouls total means you didn't, I, I don't think Maryland, I'm positive of this, Maryland never got into the double bonus in no, this game. No, Neither half. So that's a big deal. It. This was not one of those games we've seen where, oh, they're in, they're in the bonus with, 12 minutes to play in the <laughs> half yeah. and there's a double bonus with eight left. You know, we've seen those kind of games now, you know, credit in part to the officiating crew. They didn't go crazy with stuff, but, but I honestly didn't think it wasn't a game where you looked and said, wow, they just let them play. It was very physical. It wasn't that. It mm-hmm. was just Michigan state didn't do the things that you're to be very, very careful about against this team, which is allowing their guards in particular to create a lot of contact it's fats russell it's eric Ayala. those guys really can put you in a bind part of why i think it played out that way though was because of the score maryland for a lot of that game say for about i would say at least 30 minutes of gameplay time Mm-hmm. three quarters of that game, they were way out of it. Yeah. You know? Sort of desperate. And and that doesn't lend itself to playing that I'm gonna keep driving and get to the line. It it, it you can approach a game that way if you're if you're smart. You know, that can be a way to get back in a game just because you're scoring with the clock stop. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes what happens is teams in that situation in the modern era you know, with the prevalence of three-point shooting, we'll just look at threes mm-hmm. as the way back. And in fact, that is what got Maryland back in it in large part. But what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, because of that, they maybe weren't looking to go off the dribble as much as you might see in other situations with them. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it was, I think, the biggest key to Michigan State winning this one by double digits very difficult for Maryland to score enough points to win a game, certainly to win a game on the road, if they're not getting to the line a lot. That's just kind of a telltale sign for them, and 12 free throw attempts is not a lot, for Mm -hmm. them or for anybody. Yeah. Okay, well, next up is the Big Ten Tournament, Rod. (laughs) Uh I believe we have, despite the graphic CBS put up, eight I'm pretty certain that my understanding is Michigan State wins the tiebreaker with Michigan and gets the seven seed, mm-hmm. which means they will face Maryland on Thursday. So we'll have a rematch. okay. Oh. Pretty sure that's what happens. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I, the, the I, in fact, I would have very confidently said that except for CBS deciding to throw that graphic up. But I think what happened is that graphic was accurate as of that moment because Michigan State had not yet won. Mm, okay now here's what's interesting about it if you can win that game if i'm right and they're the seven seed if you win that game then your quarterfinal game on friday would be against the two seed there is the the game i would not right now it basically is going to be either wisconsin or Illinois in that spot i personally if if i were michigan state would much rather see wisconsin
0: Mm -hmm. for no
1: other reason than johnny davis hurt his ankle yeah today but they went out and lost at home against nebraska unfathomable all they had to do was win that game and they were outright champions after they had handled purdue earlier in the week to put themselves in that position and they went out and got beat by a point so this evening illinois i believe is hosting iowa and if Illinois wins that game, they tie for the Big Ten championship, and Illinois wins the tiebreaker for the one seed. So I personally, I don't know how do you feel about it, I would rather see Wisconsin in that game than I would Illinois. Oh, if yeah. If Michigan State's yeah. fortunate enough to get there.
0: Yeah. If for because no other I think, reason, I wouldn't want somebody to get hurt by Kofi Coburn.
1: <laughs> that, and yeah. And just, I think, even though Michigan State has played Illinois very competitively, hmm um, I just think Illinois is a better team. I, I'm cre- full credit to Wisconsin, and and I, I, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this because I don't really have a lot of love for the Illini this year. There are things I don't like about that program, but uh, I'm kind of pulling for them to win tonight. One, because I think it gives Michigan State potentially a better matchup, mm-hmm. but two, because it will at least – it will at least help me believe that I haven't completely lost touch with how this stuff is supposed to work. Because if Wisconsin had won this thing outright, that to me would have been the worst outright Big Ten champion I can remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious mm-hmm. about that. I would be hard-pressed. I'd have to go back through time to come up with one. Mm-hmm. But that team, to me, is... Johnny Davis is a superstar and full credit to him. But beyond that, man, it's a yep. lot of, it's a lot. Of, I mean, Jeff Goodman, who I'm, I'm not particularly a big fan of, but I think he, every once in a while, a broken clock is right. And, and I think he got it right here. He made, I saw he made the statement today on Twitter that Wisconsin without Johnny Davis is an NIT team. <laughs> he, I yeah. think he's right. I do think he's right. I think without Johnny Davis, that team would have finished pretty much where most people were, including us, were predicting them to, Mm -hmm. which is eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there. That's the kind of team they have, but they're fortunate to have a superstar and they've been a very, very fortunate team in general winning. I mean, the fact that they lost this game against Nebraska by a point today Mm -hmm. is almost shocking, shocking for a lot of reasons, but not least of which is that they lost a close game because their record in close games this year has been phenomenal, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can put some of that in a luck column. I know people want to believe, Hey, you know, great, good teams find ways to win close games and you learn winning to have it. I, I'll buy that. There's something to that. But when it happens in the sustained way it was for Wisconsin, I think a lot of that is luck mm-hmm. <laughs> and their luck ran out today. So I personally would rather see Wisconsin in that game. And, you know, who knows? It doesn't sound like Wisconsin thinks the Davis thing is serious, but you don't know. And, you know,
0: I guess it's interesting how karma and the basketball guys work with Illinois because I'm sure their fan base feels like they were jobbed out of a a share of the Big Ten title last year.
1: And so here it is. You want it? Go get it. Yeah. Now watch them Now watch them go out and lose to Iowa. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and it has been that kind of year in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. where teams, and it's not just Michigan State, it, unless you think this has been a Michigan State pro, or problem. This is conference-wide. Teams keep doing this. Where they get handled an opportunity on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin today, the latest example. You have the worst team in the conference in your building. And all you got to do is beat them. Style points don't matter. Whatever, just get a win. Should be an easy. And, and by the way, I believe Nebraska played without McGowan's.
0: That's right. Yeah. Well, he isn't. He he got he got ejected for the right. Yeah. For most right. of the game, he was out.
1: Right. For most of the game. So <laughs> you couldn't ask for more. <laughs> right. Even with Johnny Davis out, I would say that's a game. You know, normally, if they're playing a decent team, you say, "Okay, Johnny Davis doesn't really play essentially in the second half." Um, okay, that's a tough break. we play in Nebraska. That that, that you still be able to come up with a way to win it, and yeah. they blow it. Now you got Illinois on the hot seat. They've got the opportunity. Can mm-hmm. they make it happen? We'll see. We've seen teams, all of them: Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin. They've all had opportunities.
0: Yeah, to step State. forward.
1: Against Northwestern yep. without Pete Nance, without Kofi. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Ohio State still very much in the mix for a double bye, and they may yet get it, but I believe if Iowa wins today, they get the four seed. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State playing at home today against Michigan without Hunter Dickinson. They lose. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's been like that all year. So – no guarantee that Illinois actually does this, but I'm just saying the opportunity is there, mm-hmm. and it could have an impact on Michigan State if they're fortunate enough to win this first game against Maryland. Now, if you remember, last year, Michigan State saw Maryland in their first game, on the Thursday game, uh, in mm-hmm. the Big Ten tournament, and got handled. Yeah, But that was a very different Maryland team. And, you know, I, I you can say it's very difficult to beat a team three times in a year, and that's a a truism that gets tossed around. Um, I'm okay with the matchup. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the options were Maryland or Indiana, oh, you I know, see. Indiana, yeah. Indiana is, yeah, because Indiana is kind of in a spot where they probably need something in the big 10 tournament to feel okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might need it period. I'm not sure. You know, they lost yesterday a close one at Purdue, um they've had kind of a free fall ending to their season and you know, it's it's sort of a situation situation's become par for the course for Indiana where they seem like they're okay in the middle of February and then they play poorly enough down the stretch that it takes it out of that realm. Uh I don't know exactly where they are yet, but I, I'm certain that they they feel like they need to win a game. Mm-hmm. Um And so you'd rather play a Maryland team that doesn't have as much motivation, at least in theory. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, any final thoughts
1: on this? Yeah. I think we should, we should finally turn to something that's been, you know, out there for like three weeks now, but because Michigan state had lost five of six, yeah, it, it was like pulling teeth to get there and that's Tom Izzo breaking Bob Knight's record for most wins at overall wins at one Big Ten school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knight obviously has more career wins. Izzo will never catch him for that. He won't coach long enough to do it, but uh, he's caught him in this category and he's probably I would say odds are reasonable. He's probably three seasons away from uh, catching him in Big Ten conference victories. Um, And he's done it in fewer years, Mm -hmm. which is also important. So it's not as if, you know, he had the benefit of just coaching a few more years and it's, it's been a hell of a career. (laughs) That's an understatement, Mm -hmm. but I do think it needs to be said because the way this season has ended, it's been probably about as much despondency as I've ever seen in the fan base. And I think even, that's even bled into us at times, you know, um, speaking for myself, I tend to be a glasses half full guy mm-hmm. in life, but especially in regard to Michigan state basketball, because there's ample justification for that. Yeah. If you look at the track record this year has really tested that at times because it's just been so hard to get your arms around the totality of the struggles. and, so to see him get this done, you know, if they had blown, if they had blown a twenty-point lead and lost this one, uh, I can I can only imagine what it would have felt like. So it was really important on Senior Day. Get this done. All that stuff is now in the rearview mirror, and and now it's the postseason. Now we're into the time of year where Izzo has really made his Hall of Fame career. Mm-hmm. Is what happens from here on out? I, you know, you asked the question. Uh, I think it was after the Ohio State loss. Is there any, you know, is there any reason to suspect that there's some ISO magic with this team? And my answer was probably not, because we normally see signs of it coming. Mm-hmm. Even if the rest of the country hasn't figured it out, we can see it, and those signs have not been there. I don't feel like today changes that, but. You know, look, they're still their the games are there to be played. They got a minimum of two more opportunities. They've got a Big Ten tournament game, and then they'll have an NCAA tournament game. We know at least that much. Mm-hmm. And so they got this one on the win column. They feel good about that. I think this team, it's different. What you what we normally say is Michigan State has been building momentum to be playing their best in March and they're peaking at the right time and they go into it feeling confident and that plays out, right? That's not this year. What you have to hope for this year is this team, I would say the model, if you're a Michigan State fan looking for any shred of optimism, the model probably should be something like last year's UCLA team Mm -hmm. where there was clear talent they had underachieved. And if I remember correctly, and I have to go back and look to confirm this, but I think, I don't know that it was a skid the likes of which we've just seen from Michigan State, but I don't think they were playing well.
0: No, they were they were playing really poorly headed right. into that.
1: And, you know, it just, and, and remember, they played poorly in the first half of that game against MSU and really deserved to lose. Hmm. If, if you have an Aaron Henry box out, on a, on a missed free throw, Michigan State wins that game. Yeah. And the UCLA Final Four run never happens. <laughs> right. Right? So this is a different scenario, and I'm not saying I'd put any – I wouldn't put a dime on it. But if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic, that's the model you're looking at is that, okay, this team has underachieved down the stretch. mm mm-hmm. And now it's a fresh start, and none of that stuff matters anymore because they got into the tournament, it's postseason time, one and done, and you just play freely without, you know, any pressure because nobody has any expectations for you, and you just go out there and see what you can do. Yeah, You know, that UCLA team had uh, really struggled defensively all year long, which was weird for a Mick Cronin team because he's such a good defensive coach at cincinnati but it's true Mm. they had been very poor defensively most of the year and all of a sudden in march they got a lot better at that end and then of course you know a couple of their their players juzang most notably just caught fire Yeah, and vasquez good lord so right so that's your model if you're looking for for reasons to hope, mm-hmm. you're you're a premier program who didn't play like it, especially down the stretch. But you get your chance, and you just roll the dice and you see what happens. That's that's where Michigan State's at. There's yeah. no there's no particularly good rational reason to believe they have a long run in them, other than that that it's always possible mm-hmm. if you're in and you know Tom Izzo. I, you that's know, it. I I, I had
0: a friend call me the other day, uh, a guy I went to Michigan State with, and he he said that he'd been listening to some different podcasts and stuff, and he said that we were the most optimistic of anything that he's heard. <laughs> and oh, I, thought, I believe that. Oh, is is that my that God.
1: State, is that Michigan State-centric podcast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I believe that's true, but you also have and, to remember that.
0: And, and I, I I'm that's just really disappointing to me um (laughs) it it just it it really is i I mean look i i I saw some stuff today the other against illinois with tyson when i saw from tyson walker then i saw some things on offense today that i hadn't seen all year and if you want to put your money against michigan state you're probably going to lose (laughs) <laughs> that's just all I'm going to say about it. Okay. I'll we'll well, leave it there. <laughs> you know,
1: I am look, but I'm, I, uh, it,
0: but I'm just, dis- I don't, I'm not trying to call shots or anything. I'm just, I'm disappointed in everybody.
1: Well, look, the history tells us that, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is again, that uh, we have to look at this season. Honestly, it's not like every year. Well, in March, Izzo just flips a switch, and they go from shitty to great. No. Yeah. But that's typically, what people think. <laughs> yeah, but it's not true. Yeah. Because typically there is a bill. You, you typically have a lull at some point in the middle of the Big Ten schedule. So the end of January, very beginning of February. That oftentimes, not always, but it oftentimes happens. Mm-hmm. And then you see Michigan State. This was the case the classic example of it, but we've seen it many times, was 2020. That team that got the tournament taken away from them by COVID. Yeah. That team was out of it. I remember us saying, I remember vividly saying the words, I can't remember who the loss came against. Uh, Indiana, it, I think. Might have been. I said, look, Big Ten title hopes are over. And that was a team that was preseason number one. So it mm-hmm. felt people forget that, you know. All What they remember is, on the eve of the tournament, everybody was picking Michigan State as their choice to win it. They were they were the team that had more people in that category picking them than anybody else. They forget that about two three weeks prior to that, it was a season was a failure mm-hmm. because they come in preseason number one. Cassius had a terrible thing happen to him and his family that kind of took put him in a difficult spot. And consequently, the team took a while to figure it out. Yeah. But they they closed extremely strongly. The 2015 team that shocked everybody. That was a team in December when they lost to Texas Southern. I remember, well, there was a poster or two on the Spartan Mag board that would like to forget the things they said where they wanted <laughs> to take anybody's bet that the tournament streak was coming to an end. Yeah. Cause that team had had really struggled in the non-conference and it just didn't feel like it was their year in big 10 play for a while. They were up and down, but they hit the stretch run and were very good down the stretch, got into the big 10 tournament, got all the way to the championship game and lost to Wisconsin. The best Wisconsin team of all time, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, lost to Wisconsin, I believe, if I remember correctly, in overtime, but a game that shouldn't have gotten to overtime. It was a bad out-of-bounds call, if I remember correctly. But they were that close to beating that Wisconsin team and yeah. winning the Big Ten tournament. So you knew coming into the tournament, that team was actually playing really well. And while nobody was picking them to go to the Final Four, it you should have seen, hey, Michigan State's going to be a tough out. Mm-hmm. Because they figured things out. We've seen that movie so many times with Michigan State basketball. They have not provided you with that this year. It is not just Tom Izzo flips a switch. It's Tom Izzo gets his team geared up over the back half of February and into March, in the beginning of March, gets his team to a point where they are then ready. That's the formula. That is not what this team has done. So that's why I can't get on any kind of uh i can't get with any kind of suggestion that hey look out because it's michigan state and they're wearing green and tom Izzo's on the sideline and therefore they're a threat to do the whole thing it's it would be a shocker it would be but if this team got to a final four it would dwarf i mean right now 2015 is the least it's the least likely final four they've ever had yeah Yep. It was the worst team he's had get to a Final Four. That team was pretty good. If you look at their Big Ten record, I want to say, I think they were eleven and seven or twelve and six in the league. They weren't bad. Mm-hmm. They just had a bad non-conference, and that soured some people on them. But they were pretty good. That's the worst one. Yeah. Normally, every other every other Final Four team he's had, besides that one and the two thousand five team, won. At least a share of the regular season Big Ten title. So the years he's done it, Michigan State's been really good, you know, to varying degrees. And that 2005 team, nine years out of ten would have been a Big Ten champ. Mm-hmm. They just happened to be in a year where Illinois had their best team in history. Yeah, oh yeah. They did you know,
0: their own yeah. Williams. Most
1: years, most years. I'd say let's back it off. I'll say eight out of ten years that Michigan State team wins the Big Ten. So typically. Michigan State's really good when they go on these runs. This team would be a complete outlier, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. It does happen. So if you're looking for reasons to feel optimistic now that the regular season is finally done with, that's what you have to hang your hat on because they have not given you the sustained kind of improvement that would lead you to believe, hey, this team is peaking. Mm -hmm. They're getting better at the time they need to. And they're going to be playing better than pretty much anybody they're going to face for a while, unless they're fortunate enough to get to the Final Four. You know, it's not that formula. So, on the on the optimism thing, um, I'd have to know for sure what podcast he's talking about. But I,
0: not to throw probably just whatever podcast you can find on on Apple. Not to throw yeah.
1: shade at anybody in particular. I won't name names or anything, but. The ones that are Michigan State centric, the way we are. So I'm not talking about like uh, the Moving Screen podcast, which focuses on Michigan and Michigan State, or any of the national ones. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I see I see a lot of these people on Twitter, and you know, it's <laughs> fans. I think we try to do the best job we can at staying reasonable and objective and rational and not letting emotion override. And we still, Mm -hmm. you know, the last few weeks, it's been tough to keep emotion out of it at times, but that's what we try to do. A lot of these other ones, I would suggest don't. And so in that context, it probably shouldn't be surprising that even as I think you were alluding to even for as pessimistic as we've been about what was happening, that just the fact that we try to remain measured and objective and don't, you know, get into hot take after hot take, after hot take, leaves us as the most optimistic, (laughs) you know, Uh, because I certainly don't feel we've been optimistic about anything. Um, But I'm also not going to go, uh, you know, I I think, and I just judge this from some of the stuff I see in social media, you know, if you want to go down the road of Izzo needs to fire his entire assistant coaching staff, or Izzo Izzo needs to retire. Izzo's past it. Izzo's done. Um, if you want to go down those roads, I'm I'm have fun. Mm, yeah, because I I that's, that's the your stuff own I peril. Did. If you're t- right, if you're talking about making a bad bet, making a bet that suggests one, that Tom Izzo would ever go out on a note like this, a- and or, two, that he's going to leave by his choice or not, which gets into the realm of insanity that I can't even begin to take seriously. <laughs> I, you know, I, there, was, there was some joker talking about, well, Alan Howard or Mel Tucker are going to have a lot to say about who replaces Izzo. I said, no, they're not. What in the hell? Nobody else is going to have Tom Izzo will decide who replaces Tom Izzo. That's how it's going to be. You can maybe <laughs> right. you can maybe think you can maybe think that's not a good thing. You can have you can have it's not in a rational position to say, you know, I think Michigan State would be better off if they did a true national search and if it, it went that way as opposed to the outgoing coach appointing his successor as we've seen. Carolina and at Carolina at Duke, you know, at Michigan State, you know, that that is the other thing though, as well. Judd Heathcote did it, and you see what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue did it with Gene Cady, and you see what's happened with Matt Painter. Yeah. So it definitely can work, but and guard, sure, right? Greg guard, yeah. So you can feel that it's not the best approach, and and I there's a there's a debate to there's an honest debate to be had there, but. The fact of it, that that is what's going to happen, that is beyond debate. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. And I've seen some of that stuff, too. And I said, well, if you believe that, you're disconnected from reality. Mm-hmm. You don't understand how this stuff is it works at Michigan State. You just don't. It, it, there's
0: that, so much more that goes into being uh, the head of the program than, than just going out there and coaching basketball you know the net the, the network of people that you you your contacts your mm-hmm. your your relationship with the media there's uh, you know, alumni you can facilitate a transition with somebody who's that you've appointed and and keep a smooth transition you bring somebody who has absolutely no idea you're starting from scratch well that's a here, lot
1: more Here's difficult. the thing here's the thing so Michigan State fans will point to football and say hey Mel Tucker was not not that they had a bad relationship or anything but I just don't think they had a particularly um, close one or much of one in existence before he came that you know Michigan State ended up with Mel Tucker who was not it wasn't like D'Antonio said this is the, you know yeah it, we didn't we didn't we didn't see Mike Tressel get appointed head coach right right it was and, and look how that's worked. Well, one is we're, we're year two. I'm a big um, Mel Tucker. I'm bullish on Mel Tucker. But, you know, we do have to acknowledge it's it's been two years, only one real year, mm-hmm. you know. So the the full story is yet to be written there. But and it's um, not
0: like D'Antonio dropped off the face of the earth. He was still helping with that transition.
1: But what I scenes. guess I'm saying is, is that to, to make that comparison, the, the first thing you've got to understand is, for as great a coach as Mark Dantonio is, was, and he was, he's the best football coach of my life at mm-hmm. Michigan State. Yeah, because uh, I, you know, Duffy Doherty coached a few years after I was alive, but I'm not counting him. Um, he still was not in a position where Michigan State was going to say, "Mark, tell us who you think is the right guy, and that's who we're going to hire." Mm-hmm. Tom Izzo is in the Hall of Fame already. He didn't have to retire to get there. He's been in it for years. (laughs) He is now he just passed Bob Knight for one milestone, and I would lay money on him passing him for another. He'll have all the Big Ten coaching records before he's done. Mm. You know? That's what's that's what's going to happen, most likely. Um he has been the face of the university's athletic program and arguably the university as a whole, for closing in on 30 years now, mm-hmm. that kind of figure is extremely rare. Extremely rare. We've seen it in a couple of places recently with um, with Roy Williams at, at Carolina and then you know Shashevsky okay. obviously yeah. at Duke, but. Just because it's happened frequently lately, don't be fooled into thinking it happens a lot. It almost never happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And because it is so rare, that is a different set of circumstances. It is a set of circumstances that means that Tom Izzo will decide who replaces him. That's how it is. And it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if you think that's a mistake. You can feel it's a mistake and you might end up being proven right, but it's not going to matter because it's going to happen that way. (laughs) That's what's going to go down. Absent, absent a scandal. That's what it would take. Tom Izzo could, this is the thing. I think there are people who think if Tom Izzo missed the tournament, it would change that. Nope. No, no, not happening. Absent a scandal. He will make that call. And so you know that's just accept it. but there's a lot of the there's a lot of the Michigan State fan base and I think that a large part of it, frankly, is and, and I, I think I'm in a vantage point where I can say this and be accurate about it. Um, a large portion of the people who you find are doing these podcasts that your friend is probably referring to. Don't have a clear memory, or in many instances, any memory of Michigan State basketball before Tom Izzo mm-hmm. You have to be essentially, you would probably have to be what would it be? I 606 30
0: it to be like in your mid. You would have to be,
1: you would have, well, no, you could remember Judd, you could remember the tail end of Judd if you were a kid maybe mid thirties, mid thirties and up. That's about the bottom line. If you are any younger than say 36, 37, the odds of you having any memory of Michigan state basketball mm-hmm. before time as over virtually nil. Yeah. You know,
0: like I can go, I go back to like when 39, I go back to like Mike Peplowski kind of right. that
1: era. And that's okay, right. as the far tail back. end of Judd. Yeah. The tail end of Judd. Right. I mean, Mike Peplowski, I think was on, let me think about this. So he was, so two ninety three. So his last year was 1993. Okay. So that was the Judd only coach two years after that. So you're talking yeah. about the tail end of Judd's run mm-hmm. that you can remember at almost 40. Yeah. All right. If you, the point of all this is if you can't remember what Michigan state basketball was like before Tom Izzo, you have a completely skewed and biased. And frankly, I hate to use a word. So base and common, but it's true. Spoiled. Yeah. Take on what reality is like. I don't, you only have to go back to last year, Kentucky, not in the tournament, Duke, not in the tournament. Those are the two biggest names in the sport at this mm-hmm. stage, right? I, everybody would agree that neither one of them made the tournament. Tom Izzo, if you if you only know Tom Izzo, odds are pretty good you probably over, weren't around for the first two years where he didn't make the tournament. You've never known mm-hmm. a Michigan State team not making the NCAA tournament, so it skews perceptions to the point that your your viewpoint of what has happened this year, what it's been like is warped. Yeah. And I and I'm not suggesting by saying that, hey, you should be happy, you should feel lucky with what this season was like. No, it's entirely reasonable to be disappointed in the way that they've played as I think we express. Mm-hmm. But you if you cannot lose perspective on this stuff and that's what I find happening way too much of the fan base is a complete loss of perspective yes it's been a down year but you know what happens at michigan state under tom Izzo when they have a down year they still go to the ncaa tournament yeah that's not a down year any other place a down year is you don't make march that's a down year that has not happened at michigan state in closing in on 30 years Mm -hmm. think about for someone like me who went from the entire decade of the 1980s. I saw two Michigan state NCAA tournament teams. Wow. One of them got to the sweet 16 Scott Skiles senior year. And that felt like a celebration. That felt like a victory because they got to the second weekend, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, if you don't have that in your memory bank, I don't think you can really be as objective as you need to be about where this program is, even in a year like this. Yes. Be disappointed. Yes. Deal with that fairly and accurately. And you tell the bald truth about it and no, you shouldn't have expectations that they're going to reverse form and go on a huge run. If they do, we'll all love it. But, you can't, ex- you're a good reason to expect that. But that cannot lead, where, where these people go awry is where that leads to, he needs to replace his staff mm. or he needs to hang it up. The game has passed him by. That kind of stuff just looks stupid yeah. because it is. Yep. And it's a product of not being, not having enough. Experience in what it's like for literally every other program in the world. Right mm-hmm. now, there's only one other program in America that has a longer NCAA tournament streak than Michigan State, Kansas. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. where it stops. So, and if you think anyway.
0: Michigan State's just been gifted this glory of basketball, just take a look at the women's team for the last 30 years and go down and look at their record for the last 30 years. Now, yeah. they've done some good things, you know, here and there, but imagine if that well, was the men's team. But, like <laughs> you know? I
1: said, go back to the decade of the '80s. Mm-hmm. Ten chances, two tournaments. Now, you know there are some caveats to that. For some of those years, it wasn't a 64 team field. You know, yeah. But there, were, it was a different environment, certainly. But um, you know, a lot of Big Ten. There were Big Ten programs that cheated in a way Michigan State wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there were some factors there, but. I'm telling you, I lived that. So I know what that's like. And that's why I tend to react, you know, with you bringing this up and why it set me on this little bit of a rant here is I know what that reality is like. Mm-hmm. Or look at a, you don't have to get even outside of the Big Ten. Look at Indiana. Yeah. Imagine yourself an Indiana fan. For most of 30 years, They believed they were at the apex of college basketball because there was a good argument that they were. Mm -hmm. They didn't win a national title every year, but Bob Knight's teams generally from the early 70s to the mid-90s, so a 20-year run, were far more often than not. If they didn't win the Big Ten, they were in that mix, and they won three national titles. And I think those people believed that it was their birthright. Mm-hmm. Well, take a look at how the last 25 years has unfolded for Indiana. They had the one national title game, which was kind of a fluke. Mm-hmm. And not much else. <laughs> yeah, if really. you had told me in 1995 that's how the next 27 years was going to play out, for Indiana basketball, the flagship university in the most basketball-crazy state in the country that still produces a ton of talent, I would have said you were crazy, mm-hmm. but it's happened. Yeah. You know, it's happened. I, Kentucky misses the tournament last year. Duke misses the tournament last year. These things happen, even at places that, that are, that are historically great. And if you think that it can't go that way at Michigan state, just wait till the day Tom Mezzo decides to hang it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going to be a very sad day. Yeah. yeah. But for now, Today was a day to appreciate that we've still got
0: them. Yep. And we'll, uh, we'll leave it here and get the pre-tournament up, I don't know, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, until then, the Final Four is not on schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click
2: Granger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.